Hi there. Welcome to Good, Great, Wonderful, a podcast that tells the stories of people who are contributing good, great and wonderful things to the world. See this as your weekly dopamine fix. I'm your host, Grace Rouvray, and I personally want you to have a better day. So here's a story. Sarah Robb was forced to join the grief club in her 20s. Whilst wading through the fog of those first few years, Sarah started an initiative to connect grievers all over the world. Christmas can be a pretty hard time for those of us who are missing a piece of our heart. So Sarah, now a grief and trauma coach, invited people from all over the world to send messages to their loved ones who had died. She'd write their messages on a wood ornament, and on Christmas Eve, she would burn all the messages together to send the words into the sky. The Christmas Connection is now in its third year. Sarah is hoping to unite more people together and make space for the love people have for those they are missing. After listening to this episode, if you need a little bit of extra grief support this Christmas, there is a link to Sarah's work and some other wonderful resources in the show notes. Sarah, I found your work and the Christmas Connection last year, and I think it is wonderful what you do. I'm so stoked that you're doing it a third time. Thank you. It was, um, it's been a journey of, of creating it for sure. And it was one of those things this year. I was like, am I going to go again? And then I was like, oh, absolutely. Last year it was um, amazing to yeah. see messages coming from all around the world, actually, um, which is, is, is super special. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes this year. And I mean, it's been a big year for lots of different stuff in this space. So I've noticed a change and I don't know if that is because I'm more in it or I am a part of the grief community, but I have noticed people talking about grief a lot more than they used to, even in the last two years. 100%. I think that it's coming out from under the rug and it's so great to see so many people starting to speak out and use their voice and, and actually speaking about what's important. I mean, mm. grief puts life into perspective a lot of the time, doesn't it? it? Really makes you step back and look at your life and what's important in your life. It strips away all the meaningless stuff, and I, I, I always say, you do flip wildly between like a seize the day and a like fuck the day. Like, <laughs> 100%. Everything is so important one minute, and then you go, oh, you know what? It's actually just not. Who cares? It's all good, you know. So I see so many people getting caught up on on all of these small things, especially at Christmas time. Mm. And, you know, I just think to myself, through the heartache and the pain of, of, of death, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're, um, you've got everything perfect on Christmas Day because no one's even going to remember that. But what they will remember is, you know, the laughter and the memories and, and the things yeah. that you create. And I think people sometimes lose sight of that. What is your relationship with Christmas now? For the first two years after mum and dad died, I really didn't like Christmas. Um, I used the word hate and then someone said, that's a really strong word. And I was like, it is a strong word. And I I felt that, you know, a lot of people, as I said before, they don't appreciate what they've got. Mm. And then once it's gone, they look back and go, I wish I did it back then. And so in the early days, Christmas was a really hard time to see lots of people not appreciating what they had. Meanwhile, when I was in the intensity of my own grief, and then actually my partner said to me one day, because he quite likes Christmas, he said, are you going to go on forever hating Christmas? 
and that was kind of the turning point where I was like, no, no, I need to do something about this. And that was when I started putting my creative mind on and going, well, how can I change the narrative and how can I change the story, not just for myself, but for other people? It's really intense to have those comments come from your partner, like when you are in the depths of grief. And I think that they're some of the most intense conversations that you can have. It's not the like the death, the funeral, the whatever. It's like it's the years on and someone goes, is this our life? And you're like, whoa, that was confronting. That's a lot. And I think that the key though is that was I did need that at the time to help me shift in those confronting and courageous conversations. When we have them with love and compassion, they can start to shift things. I think that mm. delivery sometimes yes. can, be, can be what's a little harsh. Yeah. Um, but for me, I needed to hear that because yeah. I, I did want to change. I want to know about how the Christmas Connection came about, but first I'm going to read your qualification because okay. you're a neuro-linguistic master practitioner. What is that? Neuro-linguistic programming is how language impacts our subconscious mind. So we don't, a lot of people don't realize how powerful language really is and language creates our reality. If you say to yourself every day, you know, um, I'm unhappy and miserable, I'm unhappy and miserable, at some point that will become your reality. If we start changing the narrative in our minds, we can start to change our life. So neuro-linguistic programming is starting to help rewire the mind and the language that we use within ourselves. When you can change the way you speak to yourself, you can change what you have in your internal world and your external world. And helping you um, change the way you speak to yourself Oof. and the way that internal narrative, right, that yeah. that ego, that inner critic, that can, that can be a lot and that can really hold you back in life. If you've got a fear of failure or I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy, those limiting beliefs can keep you pretty stuck. So neuro-linguistic programming is a modality and a model that help you retrain uh, the brain to have more empowering beliefs so that you can do what you want to in this lifetime. And the stuff that I say to myself, and I'm sure so many other, a lot of women probably, you wouldn't say that to another friend, the stuff you say about yourself. It's so, it's dark and critical and it's a lot. It is a lot, and I think that's exactly what NLP is all about, is mm. helping you change the way you speak to yourself because it has a really big impact on your life. And you're also a grief counsellor and has studied trauma as well. I think I think I asked this question for my own, my own curiosity about my own life is, do you think that everyone who is experiencing grief is also processing trauma? Yes, in some way, shape or form. Mm. And I mean... It's grief, such a big word, and it has a huge meaning. And so, you know, grief isn't just when somebody's died. Grief happens all the time, whether you're going through a relationship breakup, whether you've um, moved towns or cities. You know, it can relate to so many different things. But when we're talking about grief in relation to death, trauma is also an interesting one because <laughs> there's a huge scale of of what can be perceived as trauma so everybody's so different and unique and so is trauma so do you treat well I mean it's not treat because grief 
isn't treatable. But when you are working with a client, how do you tackle the grief and the trauma as different things? Do you tackle them as different things? Um, It will depend on the client, but a lot of the time I will treat them um, together and helping them work through their grief. My philosophy is that we must heal our we must feel our pain in order to heal our pain. So creating an environment for my clients to move through the emotions and helping them understand themselves and helping them learn about themselves, that's what helped me on my grief journey was turning inwards and healing on the inside. Um, So I create the space for people to be able to have that space to process because, as you said, there's no cure for grief other than to grieve. Yeah, to feel it. To feel it. To feel it all and it's heavy a lot of the time. Yeah, there's so many like beautiful memes that I'm off most of my phone is just screenshot of grief memes, ones that are like just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not heavy, like all of those, you know, beautiful things of what we are all carrying around. And sometimes it is physical. 100% and that's why I allow clients to work through that because Mm. we don't want to be able to carry that heavy weight. Um, you know, grief shows up in so many different ways. And I think that's why it's important when we have got um, death or trauma in our life that we start to slow down and understand ourselves because we don't want to walk around projecting that on everybody else. Mm. What you realize when you go through those um, losses and, and death is that life doesn't stop for anyone, you know, and, and I wanted to slow down and and needed that time, but everyone was moving forward. And I just Mm. felt very stuck for a long time. Like, where do I go? And life's moving on and I'm not ready to do that. Yeah. There's a beautiful essay, um, Notes on Grief um, book that I've got. And one of the essays notes in there is a woman who says, it's rude looking at the postman arrive. Why haven't they stopped? So one of the ways that you have been moving through this is through the Christmas connection um, as a way to love Christmas again, but also finding connection for other people. You're in your third year. Can you tell me about year one? Yes. So year one, I was really nervous to put it out there because I didn't know if it was going to get any pickup and I was still really deeply in my own grief um, at that time. But my, my thought process is if it can help one person, then it's worth it. And that's all I said that whole month. If if this initiative's helped one person, let's do it. And so it was really cool that year to see people start picking up on it and starting to um, understand what I was doing, especially regarding the burning part, because there is a lot of spiritual people out there. And they, when I say I burn the wood, they really get that. And some people don't get that. And that's okay. Everybody's on their own journey and is entitled to their own beliefs but some people really understand the burning part Mm. um so the first year was exciting because we got lots of pickup and then second year last year that was even more exciting because we had messages coming in from around the world um and we're excited about this year too just want to go back to you saying the spiritual significance of burning wood I know your belief is that when you burn wood, it it becomes, it's not that it goes away, it becomes something else. Is that the the whole spiritual element of it or what are the other things that people connect through burning of wood? 
my philosophy is that nothing can be destroyed. It can only be transformed into something else. Mm. So the burning of the wood is we are releasing those messages into the energetic field for them to be passed over, for them to be acknowledged on the other side, whatever you believe in, in in that regard. But for me, one of the things that helped me heal was I had all mum's Christmas cards and, like, she kept all of her cards hundreds of even thousands of cards and I one day I was like I can't keep carding these around mum what am I going to do with these and I was just about to put them in the rubbish bin and then I thought there is so much history here I can't put this in the rubbish rubbish bin for the rubbish man to come and collect all this that my mum saved so instead I just took the whole day and read the cards and burned the cards and that was part of how Christmas Connection came about because that was a really healing um, healing journey for me, burning those cards. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a big day. It, is, it was a huge <laughs> day, a huge day. As I've said, I found the Christmas connection last year, in year two, through the wonderful work that Sally Douglas and Imogen Khan do with the Good Morning podcast, and I think they shared it, um, what you were doing, and they just said, oh, this is beautiful, and I went, and found, like looked at it and went, oh, this is so beautiful. And I wrote a message, which is also confronting to write a message because I haven't found my channel in which I want to communicate. I don't know if that's words or writing. It's it's a process for me still, but I did. I really liked writing a message. Apart from online, how have people found it? Like, And how is it evolving the ways in which you're trying to connect with people to send messages in? In the first year, I would everyone would send me a message on Instagram. And then last year, we got some pickup at um, some schools and things around the district. And then this year, we are also going to be at several different libraries in our community where people can come and write a message. How I saw it is in, in Christchurch where I am, as a child, we always used to take a present down to the Salvation Army or to the church to give somebody who wouldn't receive a present. And that was a real tradition. And so I wanted to create Christmas Connection where writing a message on one of these pieces of wood could become a tradition for people at Christmas time where we're going to go down and we're going to write a message to granddad or grandma or mum, and just knowing that every year that there is something that they can do to remember them. And so Yes, there's um, lots of different ways people can get involved this year. They can submit their message online. We're also running it out of Auckland and Wellington here in New Zealand. And hopefully in the next few years, you never know, we might even make it to Australia. Yes, I love that. There's well, big grief events all over the world. I love it. Yeah. And it seems to have become quite an operation, like in the days leading up, to the burning on Instagram last year. I remember seeing like you have multiple people writing the messages out. You've got people chopping the bits of wood into things. You've got the ribbon cutting. You've got like, who, who are your people? Who's your grief team? Uh, I've got my best friend, Hannah and my partner, Conan, and I've got lots of tradie friends who come (laughs) around with their drop saws and they help me out. As you can imagine with a piece of wood and a ribbon, I know it looks simple, but there's a lot of love that goes into this, the cutting of it, the drilling, the threading of the um, Christmas decoration, and then, of course, the writing of the message. Mm. So each one of these, you know, there's a lot of time and love that goes in behind it. But for me, that's where I want to put my energy in December is is giving back and is helping people realise they're not alone 
And there is something that you can do to feel connected. And even if it's just a small Christmas decoration, it's, it's better than nothing. And when you're writing these messages, are you able to compartmentalize what you're writing or are you taking it on? I would be lying if I said I don't feel the grief of other people. And I think that was one thing my partner said to me this year before running the initiative again. He was like, I love that you love doing this, but just remember there's a lot of people's grief and you can't hold all of it, Sarah. So make sure that you're looking after yourself this month this month, and putting everything into place for your own energy because the reality is I do feel all the messages, especially especially the messages that come through for young children. And there is a lot of those. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> well, she meant to tear. <laughs> That's all part of it. It's all part of it. So I say, if I tear up and someone's like, I'm so sorry, I'm like, I cry all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I cry all the time. And I think that's the beauty of it. Like I will cry when I write these, but yeah. I think that tears are a beautiful part of the healing journey and they mean so many different things. Like what I say to clients, you know, we've made tears mean that we're sad. Sure, sometimes, but also for me, I cry when I am feeling proud of myself. I cry when I'm feeling love, deep love. So, you know, Tears don't always equal something. They can mean different things. Everyone is going to experience death and grief at some point in their life. What would you say to someone who hasn't experienced grief yet? What would you like them to know about grief? That's a really hard and important question. I think I want you to know that it's a unique journey for everyone. And sometimes it can crack you wide open. You will go through different things on this journey. It's unique. It's so hard to explain grief to somebody who hasn't experienced it. Would you agree? Completely. You know, I didn't know until I knew, you know. Really, really hard question to answer because I know that I have a lot of followers on my account. And in December, you know, I know that it's really confronting for them to see this. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, it's so important that you do see this. Look, the hard thing is, and, and I can honestly say that, you know, even as a generally sensitive person, I didn't engage with any type of grief content or grief community until I lost some someone. And, I, you know, I didn't even know that this grief community kind of existed. So, you know, I don't know how you, you cut through to have more conversations with people who are yet to experience it. It's, it's a really hard one because it's, as you said, until you're in it, you know, you just, you're living your life and then something can happen and then you're straight in the grief group or mm. in the grief community. That's how my experience was. And I think your experience was similar. It's like one day this, and then the next day something completely wipes you out. Um, I think one of the things when we're coming back to friendships and things is so many people didn't know how to act around me after my parents died. And if I was to give anyone a piece of advice in that space, it's like, just be who you are. Don't try to be something that you're not, you know, as so many, you've got so much change going on in your life already that when your friends start acting like, Oh, what do I do? Or like, don't know how to act around you. It can bring up a lot. Yeah. So for me, you know, I just needed to be my friend, my friends to be who they were because I needed that normality and that stability in my life. Yeah, that's bang on. You do need some part of because everything has changed 
and everything is different and you just want something to hold on to. I had a friend who she wasn't wasn't a grief person, but she very comfortably held space for pain and she didn't make it not a part of my life. It was, she'd call up and she'd say, hey, sad friend, how's grief today? And even just making it a colloquial way of asking made it feel like I could actually answer how it was today. What an amazing friend. That gave me shivers. I love, if we could have more people showing up like her, that would be fantastic. (laughs) If people do want to become involved in the 2023 Christmas Connection, there's one week left. Can you explain, like in a nutshell, what happens in the Christmas Connection and how people can send messages? Christmas Connection is an initiative where you can send a message in to a loved one who has died, and I will write that message on a plank of wood decoration. Then on the days leading up to Christmas Day, those um, wooden decorations will be burnt. Um, This analogy is that those messages are being passed over to our loved ones in spirit. Now, to get involved in this initiative, you can go um, to the link in my Instagram bio, Spring with Sarah, and submit your message. If you want to, I also send photos back to people so that they can see and have a picture on their phone, because I know that that really means a lot to people. So, If you go and submit your message, I'll write the message and send you a photo back. If you are in New Zealand, there is a place to come and do it um, in person. And hopefully in the coming years, we'll be able to get some more up and running through Australia. It's such a big task that you do every year. And your goal is always to get over 1,000 messages, which you've done every year. Do you still think, even in your third year, oh, this could fail? I could fail. Does that narrative ever play out? Definitely. I had a fear of failure for probably 27 years. And, you know, I still sometimes think to myself, are people going to send in messages? Is this all worth it? And am I going to help anyone? But what I've come to realize since starting my own business is that fear of failure will hold you back and it will keep you stuck. So I changed the narrative to feedback because feedback is a gift. And so how can we use these experiences that we maybe see as failure and turn that into feedback? Because it's the feedback that will continue to keep us growing and keep us evolving. So many people have a fear of failure. The first and most important thing around that is getting really aware of that and then starting to get really honest with yourself and starting to make small shifts in your life. So I think people think that one day you've got a fear of failure and then the next day you don't. Actually, what how it works is just continuing to take consistent and repetitive action in the right direction. And for me now, you know, it's um, always about seeking feedback over failure, and that's how I broke that pattern. You are obviously a very knowledgeable and trained in so many different aspects of how we can speak better to ourselves and to how we can heal our hearts and at least acknowledge our hearts. If people are listening today and they love everything you're saying as much as I do, do you do Zoom online sessions as well if people do want to work with you? Most of my work, uh, 60% of my work is online. I have quite a few clients from Australia and America um, in different places in their life and helping them Um, with whatever they're going through. A lot of the work I do is based around the mindset. And for me, helping me understand my internal world and my mindset was the biggest thing that completely helped me change my life. Um, 
and starting to understand the stories and the narratives and how your subconscious mind works because once you can have the awareness of that, anything becomes possible. Amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for chatting today and I love what you're putting out into the world. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be on. This podcast is made on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Thank you so much for listening. If you know a great story, a wonderful person, or just a good old fact that you think we should cover, jump into our DMs and let us know. Good Great Wonderful is produced and hosted by me, Grace Rouvray, with audio production by Adair Shepherd and theme music composed by Simon Beaton. See you next week.